Welcome to week six of the De-Stress Diets Expert Support Podcast. I'm Anna McGee and this week I'm talking to my co-author Charlotte Watts, nutritional therapist and yoga teacher and we're focusing on the importance of finding regular periods for restoration and balance during our stressful times. Hello Charlotte. Hello Anna. Why is the idea of restoration such a key principle in the de-stress diet? We have to really look at what restoration means and it, it you know remember this is comes from the word restore we need to be resetting allowing ourselves to rest come back to gather in our energy not just something that we do after huge periods of stress you know days weeks months and then expect us to just recover in uh, you know on one holiday every six months but really considering how we need to restore very often throughout each day um, and sometimes we can see that we need to within each hour but we have a tendency to just kind of keep plowing on and going through and it happens to all of us you know, however much we know we need to once the adrenaline gets going up and once the motivation of that deadline or um, you know the excitement of, of what you're doing gets going then it's something that can quite quickly go out of the window so we need a, a an actual kind of series of balances and checks in place to, to hold us back really a little. Now more and more experts seem to be coming around to the fact that we can't avoid stress if we're going to live as fully functioning human beings in the model world. But what seems to be more important now is that our periods of stress be punctuated with regular periods of restorative time and balance and finding um, rest. How important do you think this is? This is absolutely crucial, particularly in the, the type of world we live in. The 21st century is very much about um, being surrounded by electronic stimulus, by having what's called psychosocial stress stimulus all around. You know, there's lots of emotional, brain rich stresses to deal with um, and our body's very much designed for you know like we, we talk about a lot in the the first chapter in the book about fight or flight it's it's our bodies are very good at dealing with a short sharp shock of real true physical danger and then coming down the other side when that danger has passed and we have to acknowledge that the dangers we have or you know the perceived danger as far as the body has are different but then also look at how we just can't keep that up and that the, the, it, the signs and symptoms of not coping with stress are of long-term chronic stress and we don't restore in between. We don't allow the body to go back to its resting state to, to balance. So yes, some stress can be motivational. It can make us feel like we have a sense of self-worth, that we're achieving, that we are you know, connecting to people around us, etc. But that can stray into chronic stress symptoms that are not just physical but mental, social. If we just don't give ourselves a time to stop, breathe, regather, regroup, get a sense of perspective, um, come back to reflection every so often. Can you give me an indication of some of the effects of long drawn out chronic stress on our bodies? It's exhausting. Very simply, you are using up a huge amount of resources. So when you are doing as opposed to not doing, you are asking the body to react. Reactions involve 
massive productions of hormones, enzymes, neurotransmitters, the creation of energy in every single cell. And you don't really don't have to be moving about to do this. I mean, the brain uses up about 70% of our energy expenditure, it's believed. So, you know, you can be really, you know, running that frontal lobe on full tilt and you'll be using up a lot of energy even if you're sitting down and that really includes things like worrying so so much about this constant restoration and constant checking in is telling our bodies they're safe that we don't need to always be in that exhausting highly reactive state that if we come back down again and we get back to that reflective you know state where the, the parasympathetic nervous system where we breathe we rest if we can engage that we tell the body that there really mustn't be danger if we are allowing ourselves to come back to that restorative state so a lot of people listening are going to be thinking well yes i have stress that often lasts all day every day throughout an entire year but i certainly de-stress myself for the two weeks i go on holidays each year but what are the limitations in that approach? Well, it's a bit of a a too little, too late approach, really. Um, By the time you get on holiday, often the stress hormones are so high that you can get something called leisure sickness, um, which is this phenomenon that's been described recently and studied in in, uh, teachers specifically who have charted to have long periods of stress with very defined holiday periods. Um, And that's a phenomenon where you've been running stress hormones so high that you've been actually suppressing the immune system so that when you go on holiday and the stress hormones come down your immune system suddenly comes into play and it's like your body just tries to, to clean everything up that's been hanging around and, and unchallenged so that's why you can get these feelings of you know actually feeling like you've got flu like your body's properly fighting infection um, because it is so unless you actually start to move the idea of holiday as something that punctuates really long periods without to something that you need to t- to to look at taking on a daily or even weekly basis so that's the question of saying something like okay i need a bath i need to lay here this is a holiday i am actively taking a rest or at the weekend you say i am going somewhere outside my usual circumstance you know take yourself off into the countryside or go and meet people you don't usually see something where you actually designate proper holiday time Um, and that can be really really simple it reminds me of um, some trips I used to take when I was um, always really stressed out I was running six miles a day and working 13 14 hours and I'd go away and think oh I'm going to Barbados I'll go to the West Indies every year I'll be fine but every year I'd get really really sick for the first year Oh, sorry, for the first week. And it, it just defeated the purpose of spending two weeks in a beautiful location when I'd spend the first week in bed. And it's sad, isn't it? Because, mm. I mean, you'd want to be the feeling the best you could to be in somewhere like that. And it's so awful when you're fighting the fact that you felt stressed. And you know what it's like? You have that week before you go on holiday when you're trying to get everything done and you're packing and you're blah, blah, blah. So the time you get to the airport, it's like... Yeah. And... There's so much about life that we we pack in so much stuff, you know, too much stuff, and then expect ourselves to just move from one state to a completely opposite state. 
I know we've talked about this quite often, but I used to have the do mentality when I went on holiday as well, because my preference is, is like little breaks, little like a little and often. So, you know, the idea of a weekend break or a, you know, little tiny spa break when, if possible. I liked the idea of moving towards that so that I can take the least stress with me and really check that I'm not taking the stress into that. I don't expect myself to suddenly, you know, be instantly de-stressed the moment I step through the door of wherever I'm going and also not want to achieve you know so there's the the idea of the kind of city mini break isn't there where you I used to try and run around and kind of learn a whole city in a weekend and not repeat going to somewhere you know I've got lots of different places it's still all about that do 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 mentality can you give us some examples of how we can find our moments of restoration in various places for example at work yeah work very much depends on your relationship with your boss, co-workers, and how happy you feel actually taking time. Um, so some of that is about create, maybe creating new boundaries. My favourite is to try and take something every hour, even if it's just moving away from your desk, uh, even sitting at the other end of the desk and breathing, not being near your email for 30 seconds even and most people kind of you know blanch at 30 seconds in an hour but it's amazingly restorative to just be away another thing is just you know on your kind of toilet break is just take a walk up and down the stairs step away from stuff and just find time I've got a client who takes a walk takes a walk around the office um she says that she very clearly doesn't she got used to just emailing everyone everything all the time which is something a habit we've all got into and she's like hold on I could walk to their desk which is a few few flights of stairs down so she's got out of the habit emailing and she will go and visit people and she actually finds that break is restorative in itself it doesn't have to be anything you know overly complicated it's just again stepping away moving finding space What about when we're parenting and um, perhaps with small children, relaxation and restoration seems pretty elusive? Yes, and I can absolutely relate to this one. Um, There's very much, as a parent, you're you're very much reacting to uh, a small person who's really not in your control, however much you'd like them to be. Um, And this, again, depends on your day. I mean, if they have a nap, then it's about you not necessarily thinking you have to achieve everything in the house you know you don't have to live with an absolutely pristine house if you absolutely if you need a break take a break um, rather than cleaning up washing up etc it's so much more important to make sure that you conserve your energy because you're going to be reacting all the time you can't you just can't plan when you have small children the other thing is to try and do um activities that also restore you as well as them so making sure you get outside you get into a park you meet other mums um, which is something I found absolutely crucial um, especially mums of children of similar ages I have definitely dabbled in baby groups toddler groups that kind of thing um, which I found absolutely invaluable just to bring the stress levels down to talk to get stuff out if you're more isolated and I know there's quite a lot of people out there you know with the modern kind of extended families one of the huge stresses of modern living is that often we don't have families around us it's a it's a massive phenomenon I see a huge difference between people who have you know grandparents nearby and those who don't so if you don't then you know enlisting good friends making sure you 
get as many visits and asking for help so crucial particularly if you before you were a parent you used to not particularly be used to asking for help and you're quite independent which you know a lot of us were before you've got to swallow that when you become a parent and go actually do you know what I'm kind of drowning a bit here and I need help and actually you'll find that lots of people really are very happy to help. And lastly before we sign off I'd like to ask about finding restoration when we're absolutely knackered because for me at least I sometimes find it hardest to make a good restoration decision when I'm most exhausted. All I want to do is lie on the sofa, watch telly and eat some crisps when if I just pull back a little, I realise maybe something else will do me a a bit more good. Can you give us some examples of something that works better for us when we're absolutely knackered in terms of restoration? Yeah, and I hear you. My absolute instinct, and particularly in the winter, is to want to cosy up on the sofa, watch telly, just, you know, that mindless kind of switching my front brain off. Um, And again, in the winter, it just seems so stark to have to get out from all of that cosiness and do anything like moving onto a yoga mat. And, you know, restorative yoga poses really do me the world of good. You don't have to be doing much. You can just lie in Sutta Bhattakanasana, which is a, a pose you see in the book and you can lie with lots and lots of blankets on I mean that's what I tend to do is make sure I've got lots of socks on I've got lots of you know comfy gear on my pajamas and really don't have to feel like you kind of like you know your shoes off you're doing lots of stuff another thing that you know is cozy warm is having a bath depends how you like to do that I mean some people like you know the candles I mean I I tends to send me to sleep I need to keep a little bit of light so I can actually feel I can physically get out of the bath but even lying in bed I mean I have meditations that I will put on um, for audios yoga nidras particularly useful um, or even lying in bed in a restorative yoga position or sitting up you know cozied around in a meditative position or reading or audiobooks I love or the radio you know something that's just not necessarily watching hours of television again i'd love to share something that happened to me i did i did a feature where i gave up watching tv so i had to discover ways to nurture myself um, that weren't tv related and i discovered this fantastic antidote to tiredness which was having an epsom salts bath with a few drops of lavender oil playing classical FM because that classical music is so instantly um, relaxing for the parasympathetic nervous system and um, putting oil all over myself in the Ayurvedic style before I got in and it just became the perfect mix to make me feel utterly blissful afterwards. Oh yeah and I've got a client who's recently said actually that Epsom salts baths are a revelation. <laughs> uh, they're actually used um, a, a common treatment with aut- autistic children to help calm the nervous system. They are incredibly soothing and detoxifying. And all um, listeners and readers need to do is go and literally buy bog standard Epsom salts at the pharmacy for three or four quid and pour a couple of cups into their bath. It's that simple. Yeah, it's not it's not really fancy. <laughs> it's kind of old and traditional. It's great. Fantastic. Well, that's a great point to sign off. Let's all go and have Epsom salt baths right now. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much, Charlotte. We'll talk to you next week. Lovely. Thank you, Anna. Bye.